Good morning. All right. You all look amazing. Ladies, you look great. Gentlemen, you're looking handsome. All right. Hey, not, listen, the Bible says give honor where honor is due. So I'm, I'm just giving some honor where it's due. You're looking good, people. All right. Welcome to Church at the Bridge. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here. We're excited to have you here this morning. And boy, do we have a word for you. Are you ready? Yeah. You got to tell somebody I'm ready. Oh, no, don't tell me. Tell somebody. <laughs> well, listen, any time that we have the opportunity to consider the truth that God is conveying to us is a great time. You know, truth, according to Scripture, is what sets us free. But it's what we know about the truth that empowers us to do something with that truth and create freedom in our lives. Isn't it awesome to know that God has not intended you and I to be under the slavery and bondage of religion, of our past, of our hurts, of our hang-ups? God wants us free. And so today as we get started, we're going to continue in the series that we started last week entitled Walk This Way. But before we get started, I want to share a joke with you. You got to promise me something though. You ready? Everybody say, I promise, Pastor. I promise. So, mind you, you promised already. So, you promised to laugh. All right. All right, here we go. It says, a little girl and the little boy were at daycare one day. And the little girl approaches the little boy and says, hey, Tommy, you want to play house? And he says, sure. What do you want me to do? The girl replied, I want you to communicate your feelings. He said, communicate my feelings? He says, What's that? The little girl smirks and says, perfect, you can be the husband. (laughs) All right, man, I got a better better response second service than first service. Thank you. Either that or you're you're really trying hard to make me feel good. All right, so last week we started this series entitled Walk This Way. We're basing this series on a letter written by a guy named James who just happened to be the brother of a person that we know in history to be Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, our Lord, right? Now, whether you believe in Jesus or not, listen closely to what I'm going to say to you here. My task here today is not to convince you of anything. I do not convince you of anything. My goal here is to give you some truth. And based upon that truth, what I want you to consider is, what does it say about the one who's giving us that truth? Not me. What does that tell you about God? What does that tell you about you? What does that tell you about life? And what does that tell you about what God wants for your life? And so you're with me so far? Cool. So uh, this guy, James, we can learn a lot from him because James was a lot like you and I. At one point in his life, the Bible says uh, that James and his brothers did not even believe that Jesus was Lord. As a matter of fact, we have scriptural uh, text that gives us evidence that they mocked him. They say, yeah, yeah, hey, 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 JJ, hey, Jesus, why don't you go do something cool over there? And Jesus said, it's not my time yet. And so James is a guy like you and me who at one point did not believe in God, did not have an understanding of God. But what we find in the reading of this text where we're picking up and, you know, throughout this whole letter is James is many years later at a place of maturity. James has gone through quite a bit. And James has gone from a place of disbelief to complete and utter belief in Jesus as his Lord. And that all changed for him after Jesus died and rose again. James matured to such an extent that James became the leader of the 
uh, Jewish church of the time. He pastored the churches that were out in Palestine and Jerusalem, and he was leading the church at a time when there was great persecution. They were dispersed, as a matter of fact. If you read James chapter 1, what you'll see is that he says, to all of you, he says, who are of the dispersion. In other words, he's talking about you're all spread out. And the reason why they were spread out was because they were going through some tough times. But yet in the midst of this letter, what we find is that James is imparting unto them and even unto us some necessary truth, some necessary truth for life. And so today we're going to be picking up where we left off last week and learning about a powerful tool for life and for the journey of faith. It's so simple that we can easily miss it in life. It's a tool called communication. It's a tool called communication. Now let me give you some background here. James is writing this letter to a people that while they are all believers of Jesus Christ, they're followers of Jesus, the truth is that there's a lot of miscommunication amongst them. See, some of them were Jewish by nature, and so they subscribed to something that was called the law. And so their, their argument, so to speak, their stance where they planted their flag was, yes, we believe in Jesus, and yes, he forgave us of all our sins, and yes, we've become righteous, but we still got to do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G according to the law in order to be right with God. And then there were others who said, no, we're under grace. We've been saved through grace uh, by faith, not of works, lest any of us can boast. And so there was a lot of miscommunication, a lot of tension, a lot of misunderstanding. And I'm sharing this with you because it gives us context for where we're picking up. You see, James is speaking to a people that were struggling with communication. And ladies and gentlemen, whether you believe in God or you don't, let me just say this to you. We all struggle with communication and we all need insight in how to communicate better. Can we agree on that? Everybody agree with that? Go ahead and wave at me if you agree with that. Some of you are just straight lying. It's all right. Thank God you're saved by grace. God loves you still, right? I know I get it. Some of us are like, I got this. I'm good. I'm good in the communication department, Pastor. Well, we'll see about that, right? But see, while we all communicate, very few people understand the power of communication and how to communicate. And as a result, we see of a lot uh, we see a lot of unwanted things happening today. I'll give you some examples. Broken marriages, frayed friendships, tense homes, missed opportunities, misunderstandings. And all this because of one crucial point. One thing that we can easily overlook. It's how we communicate. It's what we communicate. It's what we understand communication to be. I remember many years ago, I was, uh, uh, I got a call. I, I wasn't even with my wife at this time. Um, so this friend of mine gives me a call and she says, hey, uh, I, I got a really bad situation. I really need your help. And it's like 11 o'clock at night. I had just gotten in. I was working like two jobs, struggling in life, trying to make it, um, trying to figure things out. I wasn't even really following after Jesus at that point. Um, I was just trying to, make some sort of sense in my life. And, and this friend comes, she goes, I really need your help. I'm in a bind. And I said, well, what's going on? She says, I fly out tomorrow morning at six in the morning. And she says, and my ride just ditched me. And I said, six in the morning. Where are you flying out of? JFK. And I need to be in Dobbs Ferry by 7.15 to work. How's this going to work? And I said, you know what? I'll give you a hand, no problem. She says, do you need me to give you a call 
so that I, so you could get up. I said, no, no, I'm fine. I'll set up my phone. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'll set up the alarm on my phone. So what had happened was I went to sleep, and I woke up. And when I woke up, I thought it was my alarm going off, but it was really the phone call that was coming through. And I kind of go over, and I realize it's not the alarm. And I figure it's, it's a phone call, and I put it to my ear, and I go, hello? She goes, where are you? And I said, wait, what time is it? She says, oh, my God, I'm going to miss my flight. It was 4.30. Now, mind you, I'm in Spanish Harlem on 119th and 2nd uh, Avenue, right? She's uh, uh, on 181st in Pinehurst in Washington Heights. And I said, don't worry about it. I'll be there in 10 minutes. Hung up. The thing is, I meant it. I got in the car, right? I take off. I'm flying up to FDR coming up. Get to, get to Manhattan, crossover, pick her up. I was there probably like 440-something. I, I just threw on some shorts, a T-shirt, and left, right? I had my clothes already in my car because it was one of those kind of jobs. And so anyway, I, I get there, I pick her up, and then I just, I, I say, all right, I got to get to the White Stone. So we're flying through 181st in Manhattan. We get to the, uh, what's called the University Heights Bridge. It's a small bridge. I'm crossing over. I'm doing about 85, 90. <laughs> Newsflash, don't ever do this. Right? I'm flying across, and then all of a sudden, I realize something. Panic and concern rises up in me. You see, what I didn't account for was a curve that leads into the cross Bronx when you're crossing over. And so when I see the curve, I realize I'm going too fast. This is not going to be good. And so what did I do? I slammed the brakes, and the car goes into a tailspin. And all of a sudden, everything just went slow-mo for me. Everything just went slow-mo, and I'm seeing everything spin. And every time we're facing the wall, it's getting closer and closer and closer. And, you know, just newsflash, you know that book that they gave you when you were learning how to drive before you took your permit, right? You know when you went to that five-hour class that some of us want to just sleep through? Well, I remember sitting in that five-hour class and hearing something, that if you're having a tailspin, uh, go counter to the way you're turning, and pump the brakes. Don't slam them. And so training kicked in, right? We're getting closer and closer, and all of a sudden the car just stops, and I'm literally centimeters away from a brick wall. She's cursing me out. She's crying. I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I just want to get you there. This and that. She's going crazy. And then we just get back on the road. I get her there, and I made it to work late, but I made it. What does that have to do with this? It has a lot to do with communication. Let me just draw an analogy from this. I was in such a rush that I accelerated to the point where I missed valuable information. I missed the sign that told me that the speed had changed. I missed the sign that told me that I was coming on to a curve. I missed valuable information along the way that not only uh, would impact my life, but could impact the life of another in the car and even others that were around me. Thank God it was four something, five something in the morning when this happened. But nonetheless, I missed a lot of things. I'll tell you something else that I realized about this experience is that I was so focused on where I wanted to get to that I had no ability to recognize the mounting danger that was developing right at the moment. I'll tell you how that relates to communication. If you think about it, poor communication is a lot like this experience that I had. We can speed to such a high rate in what we feel the need to say. 
what we feel is important. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're saying, but you need to hear what I'm saying. We can speed to such an extent to get our point across. We can fight the right fight. You ever had a right fight? Some of you look at me like, you don't know what I'm talking about. You've all had the right fight. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, you need to hear me. No, you need to listen to me. No, you need to shut up. No, you need to shut up. You need to listen to me. And we fight the right fight, but here's the thing. We fight the right fight, and then eventually somebody wins the right fight because somebody goes, you know what? You're right. You win. Listen, you win the fight, the right fight, but here's, here's what sucks about it. You're standing by yourself. You won the fight, but you've lost a valuable relationship. You've won the fight, but you've hurt someone that cares for you and you care for and you've hurt yourself in the process. See, we can speed to such a high rate that we feel the need to say something that we deem so important that we miss valuable information along the way. Info like warning signs indicating negative consequences that we're headed for. Info like the breakdowns in relationships with people that we care for. Info like the inflicting of unintended hurt in our lives and that of others. We can speed to such a high rate to get across what we feel the need to say that while we arrive at our destination point, we're alone. We're alone. It's for those reasons and others, as we'll see, that God speaks to us just as he was speaking to them and he's saying, I got something that you need to understand. You need to hear this. You need to listen to the wisdom that I'm sharing with you. In James chapter 1, starting at verse 19, watch how God speaks through James, not just to them, but to us. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, let me tell you something about how God sees you and I, your family. Maybe you're just checking Jesus out. He loves you that much. The Bible says that he calls you, he, he intends for you and I to be as children uh, that have been adopted, grafted into the vine. You can't get away from it. He loves you that much. You're destined, you would, you would determine to be his and him yours and for you to enjoy his blessing and to follow his ways and to find a better way in life. And so God says, my dear brothers and sisters, watch this, take note of this. You know what he's saying? Listen. Listen, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Check this out. What God has done in Christ Jesus for you and I is, the Bible says that he became sin that we would become righteous. And so watch this. This is not saying that you lose your righteousness with God. But what it's saying is that in context, when communication is flawed, when our manner and our mode and our mentality and our approach to communication is, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, and it's all about me, 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 me. When it's all about me, watch what ceases to be produced in your life. What God has already done through Jesus. The experience, the fruit of righteousness in your life. Doesn't mean that you aren't righteous in Christ. You are. The Word says that. Can't change that. 
but a flow of fruit starts, stops. Today I'd like to talk to you about one main point, just one, that we see directly from God's word. And I want to encourage you to slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Slow it down. Slow down. How slow? As slow as it needs to be. As slow as it needs to be. Say this with me. Slow down. Slow it down. Slow down. You got to slow it down. You got to slow it down. See, instead of speeding up with our words, we are encouraged to speed up our listening. Newsflash, don't miss next week. Don't miss the rest of this month. Don't miss the rest into the fall, into the winter. Got some good stuff for you. It's God's word. Amen. Come on, you can say amen to that. Now, you said amen, so I'll see you here next week. But I want you to, do we ever stop, let me just take a rabbit trail. Do we ever stop to think about what amen really says, what it means? It means so be it. I was about to take another rabbit trail, but I'm not going to take it. You just got to be careful what you say amen to. You ever been in one of those places where it says, and the devil wants you to go to hell, and people go, amen. Huh? What? Why, why are we saying amen to that? Anyway, bad pastor, get back, to the, get back to the sermon. So let me ask you a question. Why would God see it fit to say this to us? Be slow to speak. Be slow to anger. Be quick to listen. See, let me ask you this. Well, why do you speed up when you do? You know why we speed up when we do? When you're speeding in a car, when you're speeding on your motorcycle, when you're speeding in life? It's because you're looking to reach a destination faster. So here's a question to consider. Where are you trying to get to with your communication? Where are you headed to? That we feel the need to speak a mile a minute and impose our thoughts and impose our our, our viewpoints and, and plant a flag and not get to a place of meeting. Where are you trying to get to? And more importantly, how's that been working for you? How's that been working? Proverbs 18, verse 2 says this, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Check this out. What is the goal of communication? Can I just tell you plainly, it is not to get your point across. According to Scripture, you know what the point of communication is? To understand. To understand. To understand. And so the Bible says, the fighting the right fight, right? That right fight that you so love to fight. Getting your point across, making sure that you raise your voice to the point that you are heard. But the Bible says that's foolishness. Because the intention isn't, ple- isn't uh, understanding. It's in you releasing and airing out your opinion. See, being quick to speak is foolishness. And here's what it reveals. Here's what it reveals about where we are in life. When we're so quick with the tongue. When we're quick. When we're sarcastic. 
You know, when we when we gotta we, we gotta we gotta be smart about things. In those moments, you know, you, you know, you know, you know the intention is there, it's about me. It's about me. It's about you. It's about what I want. You know, pride is an interrupter. You ever thought about that? You ever been in a conversation with somebody and you're talking with them and, and they just in mid-sentence just chop you down and say, yeah, but you know, did you know this and that? And and you ever stop to think what's really happening there? Let me stop you from what you're saying because what I'm saying is more important. What I'm saying is more important. What I see, what I think, what I know to be right is more important than what you believe and what you see. There's no understanding in that. Check out Proverbs 12, 18. It says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords but the tongue of the wise brings healing hey have you ever thought about what's really happening when you're speeding you ever thought about that when you're when you're speeding in a car not that any of you would do that right none of you right so i'll I'll tell on me you ever thought about this that when you're speeding you think you're in control but you have less control of that car you have less control The faster you go, the more peril, the more danger is imminent. If you have to make a sudden turn, a jerk or something while speeding and going at lightning speed, isn't it true that that car will immediately turn into a weapon of destruction? Now let me tell you why I share that with you. I'm going to read it to you again. The words of the reckless. You know what that word reckless means there? It means without boundaries. It means without control. It means that there's no filter. There's no, oh, but you don't understand, Pastor. This is, this is how I grew up. This is what we do. Well, let me tell you what the word says. And tell me if what it says is true for where you are. It says the words of the reckless pierce like swords. Words becoming weapons. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. See, when our words have no direction, no control, no boundaries, listen, the Bible says they are like swords. And a sword has one intention, to pierce, to harm, to cut down. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sobering moment to consider. Have you put a guard on your words? I love the way David puts it. I, I can't, couldn't tell you exactly where this scripture verse is, but David says, he says, uh, he says, Oh Lord God, put a guard upon my lips. Is it any wonder that the word of God says, that the power of life and death is in our tongue. And so, I want you to see something. It says that the tongue of the wise brings healing. And so, when you slow down your words, you minimize the damage. Slow it down. Slow it down. Colossians 4, 6 says says this. It says, let our conversation... What are we talking about here, by the way? What's, what's, what's the main point of this? It's communication. Watch this. 
He says, let your conversation be always full of grace. Always. You know what grace simply is? Grace is unconditional love. It's favor without anything that you can do to merit it. It's an extension of mercy and goodness with no asking for anything in return. And so the Bible says this, it says, God says to us, He says, let your conversation be always full of grace. Watch this. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Notice that it doesn't say some people. Everyone. Communication is powerful unto everyone. And what we do in our communication is extremely powerful. Now, for many of us, salt is a seasoning agent. I know for some of you, I grew up this way. You ever, you ever, you ever been around those people that uh, they get served a plate of food and they go, let me get some salt. <laughs> Didn't even taste it. Give me some salt. Right? Salt on salad, salt on the rice, salt on the pork shoulder, right? Salt on this, salt on that. But you see, salt has a greater value. It has a much better use. Back in the day, before we had refrigerators, (gasps) no refrigerators? Yes, there was no refrigerators at one point. Salt was used to preserve foods for a greater length of time. It has healing properties in it. You ever uh, been in the supermarket and maybe some of you, you've bought that cod that's salted and it's dry and it's in a plastic bag? I want you to think about this. It's fish. It's fish in a bag. And it's been sitting there for a while. Right? Some of you know it to be called bacalao. For those of you that are saved and going to heaven, you know what bacalao is. Right? You eat it. I'm kidding, guys. I'm sorry. You're not going to lose your salvation if you don't eat salted codfish. Right? But it's bacalao. It's, it's, it, I, think about this. Fish infused with a high level of salt. But here's what happens to that fish. It's preserved. All its nutrients, all its value, all that is retained in that fish because it has a high amount of salt. I share that with you because I want you to think about what God is saying to us. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Seasoned with salt. So that you may know how to answer everyone. I want you to see a key about how God teaches us to communicate. He says, in every communication that you have, whether it's your child, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your friend, whether it's someone that you're in a business dealing with, whether it's someone that works for you, whether it's someone that's doing work for you, whether it's someone that you provide a service for and they pay you, in whatever regard, no matter where you go, the Bible says, always let this conversation be full of grace. You know what that looks like? It's not about me. It's about understanding you. It's not about me getting my point across. It's about me understanding where you're coming from. Oh, but you don't understand. You don't understand how much they've hurt me. You don't understand what, you, what, what they've done. You don't understand. You're right, I don't. But do you? Yeah. 
Do you understand how someone got to the point that they got to that they can be so reckless, so careless, so hurtful? Look, I'm not making excuses for wrong approaches in communication. I'm not making excuses for people who've done wrong in our lives and in the lives of others and, of course, havoc and wrecked relationships. I'm not making excuses for that, but what I am saying to you is this. If you think about grace, grace is the very essence by which God relates to all mankind. And the Bible says in Philippians that, God, that Jesus Christ did not consider it robbery to give up his throne in heaven and to come down here and become one of us. And take on and become sin like us so that we could become what he is, righteous. That's grace. That's love. Talk about, talk, about, talk about grace, being full of grace. And the Bible does say that Jesus came full of grace and truth. He functioned that way. Where would you and I be without the grace of God? Holy moly. Whoa. Try that one on for size. Relating to God without grace. Now, now, that, now that you understand that, I want you to think about this. Where do we expect our relationships and our lives to go without grace seasoning how we communicate? Man, listen. So according to what God is showing us here, instead of speeding up with our words in anger, we should slow down in that area. And instead of slowing down our listening, we should speed it up. When we speed up our listening, we arrive more quickly, not just at the place of being heard and understood. We get what God desires for us. Look at verse 20 again, if you could just throw that up real quick. See that God is looking to produce a fruit of righteousness through you. That's his desire. And mind you, he reveals that, that a part of the way that that happens is by how we communicate. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. And so, instead of speeding up in the area of speaking and anger, we should speed up in the area of listening, right? We agree with that? But let me ask you a question. What are we supposed to be speeding up to be listening for? What are we supposed to speed up our listening for? What are we supposed to be so quick to hear? I'm glad you asked that question. Thank you for asking that. Leads me to my next point. You know, a great tool for listening is God's word. Let me show you that from scripture. Verse 21, it says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept, watch this, the word planted in you. Which can save you. That word save there simply means to protect. It means to deliver. It means to heal. It means to bring to complete wholeness. So notice that it is the word planted in you which saves you. But what is the theme of what God is conveying to us here? He's talking about in the context of communication. And ladies and gentlemen, as it pertains to our communication, the source from which we should be approaching all communication is truth. From God's word. You ever find yourself in one of those positions where out of nowhere a scripture just comes up? Some of, maybe you've had that experience. Maybe you haven't. Well, the, let me remind you that the word says that the Holy Spirit, God himself, leads you into all truth and he shows you things to come. If you ever find yourself in a position where scripture comes up, whether in a situation or out of the blue, bet your bottom dollar, God is showing you something. 
He's showing you something. He's speaking to you. See, this isn't talking about finding yourself at a place of miscommunication and then going through your Rolodex of Scripture and going, okay, how do I do this? No. See, at that point, it's too late. This is talking about, uh, this is referring to listening that has been developed over time by the wisdom that God gives us through His Word, which produces a harvest that protects us that delivers us, that heals us, that brings us to a place of maturity and completion because of what has been planted in our hearts. See, you can't wait until you arrive at the place of a crash site to slow down. At that point, it's, it, damage is done. What makes us think that we can approach communication in a way where we're speeding a mile a minute and then we say what we didn't mean to say, but really is an indication of what's in your heart and you did mean to say? Just call it what it is. Right? You can't get to that point where you've crashed and burned and it's bad to then go, but you know, the Bible says, or to somehow now get some scripture. I'm not saying there's no value in that, but what I am saying to you is the damage has been done. And so being slow to speak and slow to anger has to become a daily practice, not a momentary coping mechanism. Not a, not a momentary coping mechanism. The practice of slowing down our words speeds up our ability to hear God's wisdom in our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, it's beneficial. It's beneficial. It reminds me of a two sisters here as we're wrapping up. One of them is named Martha. The other one's name is Mary. And they have the privilege of having Jesus come to their house. And so the Bible says that Jesus comes with his disciples and Mary uh, is hanging out. You know, she kind of camps out where the disciples are with Jesus and Martha goes to the back. She's in the kitchen. She's, she's doing all these things. And she's, I got to get this. I got to get that. And oh my God, Jesus is here. And she's doing all these, all these little things. And then all of a sudden she gets to a point where she's just so anxious and so frustrated. She comes out and she says, Jesus, tell my sister to come to the back and help me. Luke chapter 10, verse 40, 41. Jesus says, Martha, Martha. That's how we read it. You know what I believe? You know, when my kids were young, I would say, Karina! Karina! Karina Nicole! You know what I was attempting to do? I was attempting to get her attention. I'm not saying that Jesus was yelling here, but I believe that he repeats her name more than once. See, Martha wasn't listening. Let me prove that to you. He says, Martha, Martha, You're worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. He says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So, question here. What was it that Mary chose that was better than what Martha chose? Let me show you that from verse 39 in Luke 10. It says, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. 
Jesus says to Martha, 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 sweetheart, sweetheart, baby, 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 baby. Listen, 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 listen. Listen, Martha, 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 focus. Listen, Martha. You're worried about all these things. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm being slow to speak. I'm not saying a word. And all this time, here she is in her mind, really. Oh, my God, and I got to do this, and I can't believe that Jesus is here. And why isn't my sister helping me? I'm doing this all alone, and this is so hard. And I got to get the kids, and I got to get to school, and this and that, and blah, blah, blah. And she comes, and she says, Jesus, she vomits all her frustration. And Jesus says, stop. Stop all the talking. He says, look at your sister. Follow her example. Listen. 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 Mary was in the practice of listening more than she was in the practice of constantly speaking. You know, you might, some of us here today, maybe, or somebody listening to this recording, you might say, well, you know what, I'm good in the area of communication. I'm a good listener. It's awesome. I commend you for that. But the truth is that we can't stop at merely listening. See, listening gives us the ability to do something different. I'm going to say that again. You want to see some change in your life? You want to begin to experience God in a different way and walk with God in a manner that you've never walked before? Just stop and listen. See, Listening gives us the ability to do something different. Let me show you that from Scripture as we're closing out here. In James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, he says, Do not merely listen to the Word. Don't just listen to the Word. He says, And so deceive yourselves. He says, Do what it says. Do what it says. Now, let me just back up from this for a moment and give you something to think about here, that in communication, we can sometimes listen. Like we really take the time to listen, to understand, to see it from a different perspective, kind of like how God did it with us, and he still does with us. But in the midst of listening, what are we listening for? What are we gleaning understanding for what? For what purpose? See, if all we do is listen and understand, but we do nothing with it and we respond to each other in no fashion because of what we're hearing, what we're listening, then where are we going? That's not effective communication. Well, I heard you. I understand you. You had a tough day. I get it. But that's no excuse. I'm right and you're wrong. It don't work. It doesn't work. I want you to see something here that James, in this letter, inspired by God in his heart, is saying, hey, listen, once you get to the point where you actually listen, 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 Linda, Linda, listen, listen. When you get to that point where you listen, some of you are up on YouTube. If not, just check it out. Just type in, listen, Linda, you're the cutest little boy. If you just listen, once you get to that point where you're listening and you're understanding, man, it requires that we do something with what we've learned. And James here is talking to a people just like you and me, and he's saying, slow it down and listen. 
Listen, but in the midst of your listening, in the midst of your communication, let God's word begin the tool by which you begin to filter and to hear and to approach all communication. You know, when you know the truth, truth helps you in communication. Would you agree? Some of us abuse that, if we could be honest. And so he says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. Right? He's looking in the mirror. He sees that something's out of place. Something's not working. Something doesn't look right. And watch what he says. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. You know when the word of God doesn't work in our lives? You know when the word of God isn't informing our mode of communication? When we're not listening. You know why? Because we forget it. We're not really listening. My prayer is that when you leave here today, that you don't leave here and go, man, that was a great sermon, man. I'm excited. Praise God. Hallelujah. And you leave here and you're all pumped up and then you go, somebody says, hey, what would you learn in church? Jesus. Yeah, that's not going to work. That's not going to work in your life. goes on to say, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law, watch this, that gives freedom. You want freedom in your relationships. You want freedom in the midst of the hurts that we inflict upon one another by the words that we speak and the manner in which we approach each other. You want freedom? Let God's word begin to inform what is truth in your life. And watch how that changes your approach to people. Watch how that it changes your approach to hurt. Watch how that it changes your approach to circumstances and difficult situations. Watch how you begin to slow down because what you're listening for is God's word. What your ear has been trained to hear is the word of God. And you'll approach communication differently. You'll approach, you'll, you'll approach your spouse differently. You'll approach your children differently. When people come at you sideways, you'll come straight and you'll love them through it. You'll be more quick to forgive. You'll be more quick to understand. You'll be less likely to speak and voice your opinion and say words that you never meant to say, but you said them and you can't take them back. And now you're still living with consequences. You'll no longer find yourself there again. You might drop the ball every now and then, but let me tell you something. When the word of God informs your heart, when it is the basis on which you live your life and how you see things, there's no wrong that you'll hold on to forever. The Bible says that love holds no record of wrongs. I really believe that there's some of you today that maybe today is not just an ordinary day for you. Maybe, just maybe, what you're hearing today is giving you a completely different perspective about how to communicate. Maybe it's speaking directly to your heart. And, and maybe what you're doing right now is beating yourself up and going, man, I've failed at every one of those. And I needed to hear this, but you're still beating yourself up and judging yourself and feeling bad. Listen, that's not what the Word of God does. The Word of God is not a tool to whip you. The Word of God is a tool to set us free. It's a key to life. 
and godliness. Let God open the door of your heart today and speak directly to your heart to transform your mind and transform the way that you communicate. There's freedom in that. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, today, we've had the privilege, the opportunity to listen to your word, Lord. To take time out of our day and our week and the circumstances and the challenges of life and everything else that might be going on. And Lord, we've taken the opportunity to slow down. To pause for a moment and consider what you're saying in your word. Lord, today I thank you that in the hearing of your word, faith comes. We've heard your word, Lord. And for many of us, we've really leaned in and listened. Lord, today I thank you that today there is freedom in our lives. Yes, we've made mistakes. Yes, yes, we've dropped a ball. Yes, we fall short at times. But Lord, I thank you for your grace. And I thank you for your love. And I thank you for your word, which is truth that today opens our eyes and our understanding and helps us to see the value of listening. Listening for your truth. Listening to one another. Esteeming others higher than ourselves. I want you to do something as you leave here today. Make a decision. A conscious decision. Make a choice. I challenge you to make up your mind that the manner in which you communicate will no longer be about you. But it will truly be to accomplish what communication was always intended for. To understand. There is no greater example of the love of God than what we communicate with our words. Listen why I say that. Because the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. You want to give life? You want to share life? You want to be an example of Christ? You want to bring bring truth to people? Before you do all that, let your communication be seasoned with grace. Fully seasoned with grace. And so, Father, today we thank you for this moment that we've had with you. We purpose in our hearts, Lord, to listen. To listen to you, to listen for you, but to also listen to one another. To slow down our speaking. To slow down the place of anger. That we might hear truth and reap a great reward, which are trying to produce in our life fruits of righteousness. Hey, if there's anyone here today, maybe you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never seen God in the way that you've heard of Him today. Maybe you've never understood that there really is answers in His Word. That God really does speak to you. Maybe for the very first time today, you feel like you have a personal connection. You understand God. You understand that He has good things for your life and you you believe that. Well, let me just say this to you, that you are in a place right now where you are prime and ready to accept the greatest gift of all, the greatest communication of God's love, His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that He died for us, that we would be made righteous. It says that God so loved you and I, the entire world, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever should believe in Him, not behave for Him, 
not change themselves for him. Believe in him. He says that he gave them the right to be called children of God, that he's called us into a relationship with him. Today, we have the opportunity, and if you believe that, we're going to pray this with you. Let's join together and just simply say these words. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid a price for me. I thank you for what you've done. I call you my Lord, my Savior and God. Hey, if you prayed that for the very first time with belief, we celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life. Don't leave here without letting us know that you accepted Christ as your Lord. We are so grateful for what God is doing in your life. And Lord, now as we leave here, we leave here rejoicing in truth, thanking you for what you're doing in our lives, purposing to respond to your word, not just to listen to it, but to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope to see you next.